0: Hello and welcome to Voices in Innovation from GigaOm. I your host, Johnny Baltusberger. Today I have with me Enrico Signoretti, uh, our primary analyst on all things data storage. And today we're going to kind of talk about data storage uh, a little bit, but uh, what we're going to be talking about is your newest report, Data Protection for Kubernetes, uh, the key criteria Uh, which obviously that's one of our our bread and butter report types. Uh, This went live um, last week uh, at the end of the week, and we're very excited about it. It's been a long time coming. Welcome to the show, Enrico. Thank you very much for having me, Johnny. Absolutely. So so this combines one of your favorite things with one of my favorite things. Uh, That is Kubernetes for you and data protection for me. I thought I
1: thought it was gin and tonic, and uh, and books, but actually, okay,
0: <laughs> okay. I said wanna I can have I can have multiple favorite things. It's fine. Let's talk a little bit about Kubernetes first. Uh, we've talked about Kubernetes before. Uh, when I first came on board with GigaOm, I actually sent you a message just begging you to tell me what Kubernetes was because uh, I was brand new to the tech industry. And I was very confused by seeing the word Kubernetes or K8S everywhere I looked. Yeah. So, uh, and we've talked about Kubernetes on this show before uh, ad nauseum, I want to say. We had the show with you and John Collins uh, where we talked about Kubernetes. Um, We've talked about it every which way. So let's start right off the bat with, uh, not what is Kubernetes, but why is data protection for Kubernetes uh, different than any other form of data protection? What makes it unique? What makes it uh, what makes us need a report on that specifically? I think we, we have to start about uh, why uh, data protection
1: in Kubernetes. First of all, I mean uh, when when Kubernetes started. So the, again, we don't need to talk about what is Kubernetes, but the Kubernetes is an orchestrator. And uh, orchestrator means that uh, you, you have an application, you declare the state of the application and its configuration. And you, know, it's, uh, you define policies at the, at the very beginning, just to make it very simple for the audience. And, uh, and then you have all these components of the application, these uh, containers that are organized in, uh, in pods, and uh, and the uh, orchestrator uh, does all the magic, so making sure that all the components have enough resources, that they are moved in the right place to to run, and so on. So uh, if something dies, uh, it spins it, uh, it uh, spin it up again, and uh, and so on. Uh, at the very beginning, Kubernetes was not designed have stateful application, okay. Everything was stateless, meaning that if something uh, dies in a Kubernetes environment, there is no problem. You you can spin up a new instance of the same container and you start working again. Okay. This is in a you know in a perfect world, is okay. So you have data services that are uh, external to Kubernetes, and you manage your your application in this stateful fashion. But actually when enterprises started to use Kubernetes uh, for their needs, they wanted to replicate something that they already had, which is stateful application, which means that uh, uh, there is data and data is uh, needs to be persistent in case of uh, a problem. Okay, so if a node die, if, a, if the application dies or whatever. So when we started to have this concept of stateful application, so application plus data, then uh, it becomes clear that you have to protect the data. So this is why we need data protection for Kubernetes. This is why we need uh, uh, storage for Kubernetes, which is uh, another report that I wrote a few months ago. Just to, uh, so to, close to the, the answer to your question. So why um, data protection for Kubernetes is different? Okay. So we are used to backup uh, data and uh, retrieve data in several ways, but actually the state of the, uh, the application at the storage is, uh, is easy to, to get. Okay. So if you have a VM, a virtual machine, and you you can uh, you can have a mechanism. Lately, in, in sorry, in the last few years, we had uh, a lot of uh, mechanisms to help in the in the data protection with the machine. You can you can take a, a sort of a snapshot of the of the machine. There are other mechanisms that help you to 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 keep a consistent state of the of the data and so on. But actually it's a simple mechanism. I mean, it's a virtual machine. Maybe it's a, a bunch of virtual machine that uh, compose the application. In a Kubernetes environment, you have uh, the initial state. So the, the, the declarative state when you start the application and then you have a, a runtime state and then the data. Okay, so it's very complicated. I mean, an application that start with uh, uh, 10 containers in the morning could have uh, a peak of 100 containers in the afternoon and uh, and then uh, go back to another state later. So you don't uh, back up the, the VM, or in this case, the container. It doesn't make any sense. You have to back up the uh, application. So there is a different concept. First of all, you have the runtime, uh, the the initial state, the runtime state, but actually the application and then the data, which is an alien concept for VMware and physical uh, environments. So this is why this is important. It's important because it's a different uh, mechanism to organize the application and the data in the cluster. And you need uh, a specific solution that is aware of the application and the data, that is. Um, that is protected and also as uh, the ability to collect all the information to make, uh, to reproduce this uh, uh, application, to, to uh, reinstantiate this application if necessary in a different Kubernetes environment. I hope I gave you enough information to to, to describe uh, why it is important to have uh, data protection for Kubernetes.
0: Oh, uh, well, I'll be parsing that for the next few hours, uh, trying to understand, but <laughs> you also do go over the difference between, uh, these different storage types and why it's important in this report, uh, in the primer. So, uh, anyone that's interested, can definitely check out the report and, and uh, I mean, the lovely thing about this being recorded format is they can rewind and listen to any part of your explanation again. Uh, the downside of doing it live with you is I can't.
1: Yes, I try to simplify as much as I can. I mean, uh, I always try to to describe uh, in the simplest possible words what, what this, uh, you know, complex uh, orchestrator and things do. So... Uh, sometimes it's an oversimplification. So just uh, uh, pardon me if I'm, you know, uh, getting too much to answer. Oh, and also, if you know, if if somebody is very technical and you know could uh, could say, well, th- there is more to that, or there is a much more complex way to do things. It's okay. I mean, I'm trying to uh, inform uh, and. Uh, and make things easy for everybody.
0: Given all of that, uh, given the the growth of Kubernetes and the the ch- rapid nature of change that uh, surrounds data storage as industry as a whole, when you were looking into this, what did you how? What was the environment like? Was it robust? Was it healthy? Or were you finding that people were just starting to really wrap their minds around the uh, data protection needs of Kubernetes? Well, you know,
1: we, we spent uh, uh, a few years uh, uh, working around the concept of Kubernetes at the beginning, uh, building the first POCs in, the, in, in our labs and then uh, starting developing application. And so, it's, uh, I think that uh, uh, according to, the, to our clients, that I interviewed in the, in the last few months, until you don't see the real problem, I mean, until you you don't get your application in production, you don't really know all the complexity of storage and then of uh, data protection. So for many people, uh, for many organizations, it's, uh, it's a long process to get to, uh, this kind of technologies and solutions and uh, and they just uh, do that because the tradition, they try with the, what they have in their data centers okay because you know many vendors now produce a compatible solution but when they go in production they see the real struggle with uh, with the traditional solution and they uh, look for something that is designed for, to, to solve the issues that uh,
0: Kubernetes can create in, with, uh, with this kind of environment. I'm looking over your, uh, your list of the table stakes, key criteria, all of that. And uh, the word security pops up in a couple of places. And I'm wondering, when you're looking at data protection for Kubernetes, do you differentiate between uh, security and privacy, or are they are they two sides of the same coin?
1: No, actually, we are not at that point. I mean, uh, there is a there is a problem of privacy and security that is more about data management in general, in what we have uh, uh, in traditional solutions because we are backing up. Uh, you know structured data as well and there are uh, several uh, information that you can uh, protect that actually uh, are connected to uh, to the privacy of, uh, of of real people okay but in terms of kubernetes we are not there Security is more infrastructure security, it's more about encryption, it's more the fact that uh, because we talk about multi-cloud environment, we have to move data around. So we back up uh, data from a, from an environment and then we want to uh, restore the same data in another environment. So we want to be sure that, uh, that the, everything that moves from uh, environment A to environment B is encrypted and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, there are no mechanisms to overcome uh, the uh, the protection mechanism in place. Oh, no, let me do it this again. And uh, we want to be sure that uh, there aren't uh, um, strange behaviors of the system for which you can uh, make copies of your data if you're not allowed to, and things
0: like that. So it's more security in the strict way of uh, thinking about it i always like to kind of put the table stakes right there on the table so everyone can can understand what we're looking at as kind of the defining features of this technology uh native kubernetes integration software consumption models apis and automation which uh, that that speaks for itself i think csi integration and security so uh i the one i don't know or understand i guess i should say is software consumption models how does that pertain to kubernetes data protection so when we talk about kubernetes most of the time we talk about multi-cloud okay
1: hybrid multi-cloud. and um, there is an important uh, concept about uh, the pay-as-you-go model that you have a multi-cloud so it's a subscription model we want to you want to uh, take uh, your uh, data protection solution at the same level of any other subscription that you have for uh, sorry let me do it here. you want to uh, to make sure that uh, your data protection solution is aligned with the cloud uh, subscription licensing models that you can find from other um, other providers or other vendors so uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, it's fundamental that, uh, for example, if you even if you are talking about uh, a, a data protection solution that you install on-premises, you want an OPEX model. So you want to pay for what you actually use and not a, a perpetual license because everything is so dynamic in a Kubernetes environment. You can have uh, this uh, environment that can be very large for uh, for a, for a period of time and then shrink and then grow again. And you don't, you are not sure on what is going to happen. And sometimes you move these applications from one location to another. So you, you want to be sure that, you know, uh, you pay for what you actually consume. And uh, uh, this is uh, a pretty solid uh, request from most of the customer at the moment. So this is why I put it in, in, the, in the table states. So cons- software consumption model that makes sense, uh, that are aligned with the rest of your cloud consumption models.
0: And over in key criteria, uh, you mentioned something that I I personally have a, a large stake in, data recovery um what does data recovery look like in kubernetes and why is it such a big
1: disaster recovery pardon in the key criteria there is
0: disaster recovery not data recovery, data recovery is... ah, sorry sorry let me <clears throat> one of the key criteria that you mentioned is something near and dear to my own heart uh which is disaster recovery uh again i i We've talked about disaster recovery before in other places other than Kubernetes. Uh, What makes disaster recovery different here? What, uh, why is it part of the key criteria of what people are doing today?
1: So disaster recovery is important because uh, uh, Kubernetes, as, uh, as we know, is almost standard. I mean, there are several many uh, Kubernetes distribution, but they are all compatible, okay? So, if you you have an application, you are pretty sure you can move the application around. But uh, if you do a backup, okay, and you want to restore the backup, you don't need just uh, um, the data and the application, but you need uh, also the other information that I described at the very beginning. So, when you do the backup and then you want to restore the backup in a different environment, sometimes there are a few changes that you have to make to this uh, uh, to this additional information to make sure that you are uh, able to retrieve it in a different environment. sometimes are minor things, other times it's it's just that you know uh, with the encryption and uh, and other security mechanism in place, you need to add a a few more steps to to get it done. So this is why it is important. I mean, you want to be sure that uh, if you have an application running on your own premises solution uh, and you make a backup and the backup is not on the same location where you have the Kubernetes uh, infrastructure, then you can restore the entire, Application and data on a different environment, maybe on the cloud, and there are these all, uh, small uh, details that uh, need to be taken into account to, to to make it happen, and that's it. Of course, this is part of a larger discussion, the disaster recovery one. I mean, which comes with the data migration and uh, an application migration that, uh, of course, use the same base basic mechanism, so that the idea of taking a, a full backup and then may, maybe making copies for uh, other purposes. It's not only disaster recovery, but maybe dev and test uh, and things like that.
0: So, uh, as always, this report comes in two parts. Uh, the key criteria in which we explain the technology, where it is currently, where it's going, and the GigaOm Radar, which takes a snapshot of the current market landscape, the various vendors, where they are, what they're doing, the pros and cons. But I kind of want to jump ahead uh, to the Radar, uh, which has not been published at this time yet, but it's coming, believe you me. Uh, However, (laughs) you kind of give us a sneak peek of some of it in the analyst take section of this report. Specifically, you mentioned there are uh, two approaches, storage-based and data protection only, uh, the latter being kind of independent of storage layer. You mentioned that these both of these approaches have advantages and disadvantages. So I'd like to take a moment, uh, without going into specific vendors, which will be listed in the GigaOM Radar, uh, when you're looking at these solutions, what is the benefit and what is the downside of going with a storage-based uh, data protection solution?
1: So the storage-based data protection solution is something that is, you know, it comes all packaged together. So it's the data, the data storage, which usually, if it's a cloud-native data storage solution, is something that. Uh, uh, is available on different environments, so you can have it also in the cloud. So the same storage, uh, the same data storage is available both on premises and the cloud, and you can uh, have the same functionalities. Okay, and some of these, the most sophisticated solution, also offer data protection services. Okay, so they, they give you the, the possibility to uh, back up your data. Okay, so the, the system is very integrated. It works very well, but actually you have to commit on the entire stack to, to have it uh, done, which is you know, better when you think about operation because you have everything, but it doesn't mean that you have the best solution in all the areas. So uh, the, the other way to do it is data protection only solution. So you choose your solution independently uh, from the storage. So you can have uh, on-premises storage, which is different from uh, the storage that you have on the cloud, uh, and it's fine. I mean, uh, all these storage solutions use CSI, which is another component in the in the Kubernetes environment that is a, an interface to uh, to get a to get this abstraction of the physical storage, so that Kubernetes can uh, uh, can allocate resources and do everything uh, without without knowing actually knowing what is the physical storage, and uh, and so you, you are you know free to choose the the best storage for each single environment. I mean, it adds some complexity, but actually uh, you're you're sure that uh, you know the the two are independent from each other, and you can have uh, more control on. Uh, um, on On the entire environment at the end okay and and especially if it's a very uh, diverse environment and it's uh, you know composed by sorry it's uh, made of different clouds and different uh, on premises infrastructures
0: thank you um, so I think we've we've given people enough of a sneak peek at the report, the key criteria of data protection for Kubernetes, and you know every week I, I talk about how you should really come to GigaOM.com, subscribe to our to our research. We have reports on evaluating video conferencing platforms, which if you haven't noticed, is a pretty. Uh, <laughs> a pretty apropos topic these days. We uh, just put out a report last week on the digital risk compliance and data centricity. Uh, We have this report on data protection. Uh, We have one on hyperverse infrastructure, value stream management. I could read the names of reports all day, but I want to talk about something different today. Specifically, I want to tell you all that we do webinars regularly. In fact, Enrico, you have one coming up uh, later this month on, Exploring the Market Landscape for Unstructured Data Management. Now, these webinars are a fantastic way to learn more about what's going on in the tech industry because we'll have an analyst like Enrico speaking to data scientists, uh, CTOs, leaders in various uh, companies in the tech industry. They will be discussing thought leadership. Uh, and kind of the cutting edge of what's happening and how companies can go about things. Uh, It's, they're always fascinating conversations and best of all, you can ask questions during the webinar. You can try to, if you are unsure about something or you have a specific use case that you just has you stumped, you can send a question in. And so long as it has something to do with the conversation at hand, our analysts and our guests will talk about it and work their way around the question. So it's a fantastic way to increase your own knowledge and to address specific questions you have in the industry. So that one is uh, exploring the market landscape for unstructured data management. It is November 5th at 12 PM central time. Uh, We have another one uh, this month called high performance application security testing. Uh, that's going to happen on October 20th. So we have webinars every month, they're free. Come check them out, just go to gigaohm.com and you can find all of our research, all of our webinars. It's a fantastic way to uh, keep abreast of what's happening. And Thank you everyone for tuning in this week. Make sure you go to gigaohm.com for all your future forward advice on the tech industry. For Giga I'm Johnny Baldisberger and this has been Voices in Innovation. Just listen.